Right. If we have not met yet, my name is Melanie. I'm married to Stuart and together we look after this beautiful church. Um, if we haven't met, I'm, I'm a mummy. So we've got two boys. They're called um, Levi and Asher. Um, I work for this local church. I look after the young. So I oversee all that goes on with the under 18s. Well, maybe not all that goes on, but I oversee the young. So I look after all our team leaders and, and our syllabus and, and, and all that we get up to. And I look after what we do in the community. So what we do to be good to our community. And I do a few other bits and pieces in my spare time. I'm also active in the school that my boys are a part of. Um, and then, you know, I do all the other stuff like keep a house clean and shop and do all of that stuff. So tonight, it's my absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, the way that that my gift works is that I'm going to throw a load of stuff out there that I feel like God is stirring me about and speaking to me about. And I'm expecting you to grab a pen, a piece of paper and jot anything down that you think, oh, I think that's for me. I think tonight that is what God wants me to hear. So instead of making notes like maybe you would with a teacher where you would be learning lots, I'd love you to make notes on the things that you think God's speaking to me about that. I want to do something about that or I really need to hear that. And I do believe as I speak tonight, there will be things that, that you really need to hear. I do believe as I was prepping some of this, there were certain lines that I just thought, or someone needs to hear that I know that so I will be getting my bible out so if you've got a bible with you um, get it ready if not grab it on your phone if not I will read it to you so tonight I'm going to let you into a few of my well-kept secrets and some of my not so well-kept secrets so I'm going to kick off with this one so I have never watched an episode of Game of Thrones The Bake Off The Crown or line of duty. And so I'm just I'm just putting it out there. The bake off is one that really surprises me because I love a bit of baking and you know, love a little bit of Mary Berry, but I don't actually love watching kind of reality TV. I, I like to go to different places when I watch TV, like really unrealistic places I like to go to. So the next thing I, I feel like I want to fess up, I want to tell you, is I love listening to, oh, this is shameful. I love listening to a little bit of Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and Taylor Swift, actually. And what I've realised is it's like the 14-year-old girl in me that just won't give up. So I, I fished out a couple of my photos. So I'm going to see if I can get them up nice and close this is me I think when maybe I'm about 12 really there check out the outfit on that yeah good and this is me when I think I'm about 15 um, at the school disco this is with one of my mates Cheryl um, so I think the 12 year old 14 year old girl in me just won't let go of you know Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift I love bopping along to their songs so the next thing I just want to like get out there I feel like this is really cathartic for me is um I love these. I don't know if you love these, but I love these. And um, when I when I eat these chocolate buttons, I have to eat them. <laughs> I have to eat them in a sandwich. So I have to eat them together. So I eat them in twos, like a sandwich. And so I eat them. And if I get to the end of the bag and there is one left, I throw it away because I can't eat them if they're not like a sandwich. Don't know why. So and. 
I feel like this I, this should just shouldn't be happening. So I am still wearing leggings under my jeans. And, I, and I'm confessing this to you because it is the end of May and I am spending most of my life outdoors. I've been doing it for well over a year. So I've been doing lots of my meetings outdoors, lots of my getting to know people outdoors. I, I've been doing as much as possible outdoors, but it is still really cold. So I am still wear it at the end of May, leggings under my jeans. In my Bible, I have go-to books. Um, You must have them, like books in the Bible that you flick through and you go to and you think, I'm at home here. I love it. Like like I really meet Jesus here. I really learn here. So my go-to in my Bible are the Gospels. I love Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. In fact, I've got to be honest, if I was stranded on a desert island and all I had was Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, I feel like I'd be all right. Um, I feel like I'd have something to read and something to get to know God in like over and over again. I love the storybooks in my Bible. So I love Genesis. I love Exodus. I even love Leviticus. I like I absolutely love it. I love Ruth, Daniel, Revelation, like the, the kind of stories with, with great big pictures The Psalms are not my go-to places. They're not my favourites. And I sometimes feel like they should be. I feel like I'm not a great Christian because, you know, lots of people do love the Psalms. They're not my go-to books. But I do find that God every so often just speaks to me through them really powerfully. And I I find myself being challenged. I think they're not my go-to books. They're not my, I find them a little bit whiny in places sorry and I find them a bit up and down all over the place I just think oh my gosh like one minute we're in the pit the next minute we're like I love you God and then I hate you God and oh I just find them a bit much so um but this this last few weeks God has been really speaking to me out of Psalm 37 and so I don't want you to feel like oh no we're really worried about Melanie now because you know she doesn't read the bits of the Bible she doesn't like I do read my whole Bible and I do think it's really important to read it Um, But I also know there are favourite bits where you go to and you just think, I'm at home here. The Psalms are not mine. Um, So Psalm 37 for me is something that God has been speaking to me about over the last few weeks. And so if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to turn to Psalm 37. And I'm just going to read verses 23 and 24. So it says this. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. And I've had since the start of this year, this sense of God speaking to me about holding on. And then a few weeks ago, this this couple of lines in this psalm just really hit me, especially the bit where it says, and the Lord holds them by the hand. I feel like I've read that psalm, Many, many times that particular line had not caught me before, like it caught me a couple of weeks ago. And then I I I think it was last week, really, where God spoke to me out of John 15. So if you turn to John 15, so in your Gospels, see, this is much more my place. John 15, where he talks about being the vine and where the branches. So John 15, verse five, it says this. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me or hold on to me. 
and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, or if you let go of me, you can do nothing. And then I'm going to get you to turn to Hebrews a bit further on in your Bible, Hebrews. um, And we're looking at chapter 12, verses one and two. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set out before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus or by holding on to him, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured or he held on to the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne, Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. So tonight, what I really want to do is share some well-kept secrets and some not-so-well-kept secrets on how to hold on to Jesus for all your worth. I do believe in these days, it is the thing we should do with all we have, no matter what. It should characterize us as a people that we hold on to Jesus no matter what with both feet on the ground so we've got our hands clinging on to him with both feet on the ground and I believe that we should be known for that my computer in these days someone someone needs to mute themselves I'm I'm just gonna give you a pause for a moment just so you can mute yourself that's lovely thank you So I'm going to run us through a few little secrets of how to hold on, stay connected to Jesus. And I'm hoping that within what I'm sharing tonight, you will jot down some things that you think I just needed to hear that. I just needed to be reminded of that or I just needed to hear that for the first time or afresh. I will chuck out loads of things. So please don't worry if you end a chunk and you think, well, all I got was one thing. That's brilliant. Grab that one thing understand that God has spoken to you in that one thing and do something about it so the first secret I think for holding on is that there is a plan and I think it says in all of this he directs our steps in in the John one it talks about him being the vine and then in Hebrews it talks about there being a race that is set out before us to run There is a joy waiting for us all. And we just need to be sure of this. We need to understand that there is a big picture, a big plan going on, playing out on the earth, that in all things, God is working together for the good of those who love him. And I've been reading this super book. It's called The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, And and there was a great quote I read in this. So I'm just going to read it to you. Um, It says, oh, I'm going to read it off of there. It says this. While this cannot mean so that God works together for the good of those who love him, while this cannot mean that God will make every day a Friday or give you your best life now, it does mean that we must never lose hope in God's commitment to make all things that have gone wrong right again. 
So it does mean that we must never lose hope in God's commitment to make all things that have gone wrong right again. And you might be in a season in your life where you are struggling to see the plan, where you are looking around you and thinking, God, if there is a plan, I am clueless. I do not understand what is happening, what's going on. You might even be looking around your world and thinking, what is going on? You might be looking at this last year and just think, what is going on? What we need to cling on to, hold on to, grip with both hands, no matter what is there is a plan. And even if it doesn't look like there is one, there is, even if you don't think to yourself, oh, this is my plan or this is working out how I thought it would work out. God has a plan. He directs the steps. He is the vine. And there is a race set out before us that we are to run. It's not a chaotic, crazy thing that's here, there and everywhere. There is a path. There is there are things we're supposed to walk down, supposed to do, supposed to see. And in God, I don't always think that that is, oh, we're living our best life now and we're having the best fun now. And we're having there just is a path that we are supposed to walk down. And it is more about how we walk it than, than what the path is like, to be honest. It's more about our character. It's more about our heart. It's more about how we hold on. So I want us as a people to hold on to this and not lose sight of this. There is a God who is sovereign and in control of all things even when you look around you and it looks chaotic or it looks painful or it's not what you would have planned, there is a God who directs our steps. I've written this out so that I'm carrying it around. I've got it up on my wall so that I remember that in all of these days, he directs my steps. He's the vine and there is a race set out before us. So well-kept secret or not so well-kept secret number two, God delights in every detail of your life and you might stumble in your life, but you will never fall. He knows all of your branches. They are numbered the same as he knows every hair on your head and the stuff that slows you down and can hinder you and trip you up. He knows every detail, every branch, everything that gets in the way he knows all about it and he wants to meet you in it and sometimes I think there is a shame attached when we stumble so when we get things wrong or when we appear to the details of our life don't seem to add up or we don't quite get things right or there is a shame that is attached to that and I, I'm utterly convinced that shame does not come from God that shame does not come from Jesus that shame comes from the accuser and the one who would have you fall who would have you not just stumble but fall down let go and be taken out of the race the stuff that slows you down and can hinder you and can trip you up God knows all about and what he's after is a heart that holds on no matter what and trusts him with those stuff talks to him about them and actually allows God to work within them work through them and you might stumble but you won't fall And you might be in a season where you think, crumbs, all I feel like I'm doing at the moment is stumbling. I feel like I can barely stay on my feet, barely stay on my path. You would find yourself in very good company. 
And what you need to do is cling on, hang on to God for dear life. He wants to walk through every detail of your life with you. And he delights in every detail of your life. So even the most mundane stuff he wants to hear about, even the stuff that you find shameful, he wants to meet you in it and walk you through it. Even the things that you think, but I have stumbled there again and again and again, he wants to meet you in it. And I would love you, if that's you, for you to hold on to this. Your God is for you and knows you. And I, I like to, as a parent, what I'm trying to do with my kids is not look at them failing. I'm looking at ways to help them grow, succeed. I'm not looking out to try and discipline them, to try and see the ways in which I can correct them and I can make sure they know they've got it wrong. I'm looking out for things that they get right. I'm looking out for when they stumble so I can help them get back up again. I'm looking out for lessons we can learn. I'm all the time watching and going, okay, this is something we can teach into. This is something that we can learn from I take no pleasure no delight in them failing there I'm not the kind of parent that's sitting there going woohoo now we get to bring a bit of discipline in the mix I am the kind of parent that's looking out going okay how can we help you do this well how can we help you learn how can we help you grow and I like to think that that is what God's heart is like over us that he is not looking at our lives inspecting them and wanting us to fail wanting us to fall he is for us Therefore, who could be against us? He is for us. He is interested in every detail of our lives. And he wants to meet us in the places where we stumble so that we don't fall. He wants to take us by the hand and lead us through. He wants to teach us the lessons. And maybe you keep stumbling because you haven't invited him into that area because you haven't said actually, I'm owning this, this is a place where I stumble, and I think I could fall too. And maybe that's what you need to do tonight. You need to recognize this as an area where you stumble. And you need to say to God, okay, we both know this is an issue. Can you help me walk through it? He's interested in every detail of your life. If that's you, and you think to yourself, I just need to tell someone that that's an area that I stumble and it is an area where I could fall and there is shame attached to it. And I just want to get God in the mix on it. Why don't you, I don't normally say get your phone out. Why don't you just message someone and say, after this, ask me where I stumble because I don't want to fall because I know he's interested in every detail of my life. Why don't you do that now and just say to someone, ask me about it because I want to pray. I want to see God walk me through it. I want to keep a tight hold of his hand. I don't want to let go. I don't want to stumble. I don't want to fall. I think sometimes our view of God can be more like a headmaster than a father. And I think sometimes that that view just needs changing. We need to, to know he's a daddy who's interested in every detail of our life. And even if we stumble, we won't fall because he's got us by the hand. I think even that for someone tonight will just be healing just to just to change your view of God, just to understand that he's a dad 
and his heart after you is that you would learn, you would grow and you would carry on walking. No parent watches a child and wills them to fall over. What we want is our children to stand on their own two feet, put one foot in front of the other and keep going. We don't want them to trip. We don't want them to fall. And I think even that for someone will be healing. So just maybe if that is you, again, tell someone, just say, actually, I know that I need to know my God like that. And I think too often I see him like a headmaster who's trying to catch me out, waiting around every corner, seeing whether I've got it wrong. And I feel that shame. Maybe you just need to deal with that tonight. So well-kept secret or not, so well-kept secret number three, he holds you by the hand. Apart from him, you can do nothing. He is the one we look at and hold on to. So in Psalm 37, it says, he holds me by the hand. When it talks about in John 15 being the vine and the branches, it says, apart from him, you can do nothing. And in the Hebrews one, it talks about him being the one we look at and hold on to. So think about the ways you hold someone's hand. I was thinking about this the last couple of weeks, thinking when my boys were toddlers, if I ever took them into the city centre, like into Birmingham, I would hold their hands and they would hold mine for dear life because it was busy, because there were lots of people around, because actually if we if we let go of each other's hands, we could lose them. If anyone has ever taken a small child to the German markets, you remember those back in the day when we used to go to the German Christmas markets, like piled in like sardines, packed in tightly, all breathing all over each other. So, and I remember once taking the little boys and, and one was in a push chair. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. And one was holding my hand. And I remember my grip on him and his grip on mine being nice and tight because neither one of us wanted to be lost. So you hold hands like that. I don't know whether you've been on a first date and held hands. That's a little bit different, isn't it? That's not like a big old grip, like holding on for dear life. That's a little tentative. That's a little like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? Maybe you have been married for years and you hold hands and you've been married 50 years and you still hold hands. I love it when I see that. And you hold hands and that's a different hand holding to a first date, isn't it? That feels completely different. Imagine you were hanging over the edge of a cliff and you've lost your footing and your friend reaches out their hand. Again, that's a different kind of hand holding, isn't it? That is you holding on for dear life. That is them holding on for dear life. Imagine sitting in a doctor's waiting room, waiting on news, good or bad, and you're with a friend. You hold hands and you hold each other differently, don't you, to if it's a first date or if it's imagine that first day of school. So you're dropping off your four year old and they're starting in reception and, and you walk down to the playground and you've got their hand. They've got your hand now, like neither of my boys, like Asher will give my hand a little hold as we're walking in and then just, you know, casually drop it um, as we are, you know, entering the playground. It's different ways that we hold hands in different seasons and in different situations. What I want to say is work out the season you're in and hold on to God appropriately in it. So if you are in a time where it is dark, where it is difficult, cling on for dear life. 
If you are loving his presence, loving being around him, hold like, like you've been married for years, you know, just, but whatever you do, hold on. If you've had terrible news and hold on to God in, in ways that, that, that match your, your circumstances. I want to suggest there's a few things that we can hold on to in these days. So he holds us by the hand and there are things that we can hold on to in order to to partner up with that. The first one is this. And and this is my Bible. I, I actually think it is foolish as a Christian to ever let go of your word. Like even even when it even when it's tough to read, even when it feels a bit monotonous and a bit like, well, I'm just going through the motions, even when some of the things it says to you offend you, I think it's foolish to let go of this. It's foolish, to be honest, not to be reading it or found in it daily. I think it is as foolish as going out without your clothes on. It is something we would never do with our physical bodies we would never go out clothed in nothing because like well we just wouldn't Uh, it's it's the same thing with this book and I would say this book is the thing that needs to hold us through this season like we should be in this book daily we should be reading it clinging on to it for dear life we need the truth that's found in it but we also need him we need, we need to be found in him. And this is the best place to be found in him. This is the best place to discover what it, what it feels like to be held and, and to have something solid beneath your feet. This, this, I, I just don't, I don't know a better place. And I know some of you in filling out the survey have said, this is something you would like help with. We are going to help you. I know a couple of you, the last time I preached said, I would love some help with it. We we have got some stuff that we're putting together and we are going to help you with this. I, I feel like if I if if as a leader I can teach people to find Jesus in this, they'll be okay. I always think it with kids and youth work. I think if we can teach people to meet Jesus in this, they will be fine. They they will just be fine because in this book, you get to find the words of life and truth. You get to navigate your way through things. You get to find your say that this book is everything. It is your lifeline. It is a foolish decision not to read this book. So I want to encourage you to hold on to this for dear life and work out how to meet Jesus in it. And, and I would say in life groups, we want to be asking that question constantly what are you reading? What are you learning? How are you meeting God in it? It's one of the things that will hold us and should shape us as a people. We need to be robust and grown up and like we just need the word. His presence. So holding on to him and him holding on to us, we we encounter that in his presence in times of worship, in times of experiencing the Holy Spirit. We've been saying to the kids and the youth, like get these songs of hope in your house so that your the, the walls of your house hear this sound over and over again in the hope that they will meet Jesus in it. 
And that's, we need to get skilled at those things. If you don't know Jesus and you think, I just don't know how to do that, I, I would say, just put some worship music on. If you're stuck and you think, I just don't know what to listen to, I, I'd happily help with some of that stuff. Have a look at our Facebook page and you'll be able to see loads of recommendations of brilliant songs where you can encounter the very presence of God Learn how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But these are things that I just think if you can, if you can get a hold of those things, they will hold you. So if you know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit in your home, just standing there saying, come, Holy Spirit, meet with me. You will step out into all of your places as if you're being held by the hand as if you're being held by Jesus himself. His presence is a wonderful place to be. So if you haven't booked in for the Catalyst worship stuff yet, in, in the real life stuff and the stuff online, do it. If you haven't worked out how to meet with God on Zoom yet, keep practicing, keep trying it. Don't give up on it. Don't let go of his hand. Don't let go of his presence. Don't say, well, I'll wait till September. I'll wait till we're all gathered again. And then I'll get that going back on again. Don't leave it that long. Like your home over a screen with, with sound is a place where you can hold on to God and he can hold on to you. Okay. This is my last one. Well-kept secret or not so well-kept secret number four. Because of the joy awaiting him, this is what it says in Hebrews, he, Jesus, endured the cross. Because of what was waiting for him, he went through the cross. And you might be thinking, well, what was waiting for him? So what was waiting for him was, I mean, it's beautiful, to be honest. What, what Jesus did on the cross was he made it he made it right for a people to stand with God. So when he hung on the cross, what he did was he died in my place for all my sin, but he opened the doors so that basically anyone who puts their faith in Jesus can go right in. So his body literally opens up the way. It's, it's an incredible thing. And what it says in this verse is that Jesus kept his eye on that and he stayed hanging on the cross. So because he had his heart, his eyes set on a new heaven and a new earth that would be populated with billions upon billions of people who all worshipped God and loved God. And this new city, this new Jerusalem would just be, there would be no more tears, no more pain, no more sin, no more sickness. He had his eyes fixed on that and then he held on to what he had to go through on the cross in order to get to that. You see, Jesus lived his whole life holding on to the future with both feet on the ground. He was very clear why he was here. He was very clear what was to come. And he was very clear as to why he'd stayed there, as to why he hung, as to why he left all of his disciples, as to why he allowed the Romans to deal with him like they dealt with him because he had his eye on heaven. He understood that life on the earth was simply a trailer to the real movie that was to come. He understood that they it was real time scenes from the movie that was to come, but he understood that we were just a glimpse 
of what was to come. He understood that there was a joy coming his way that was like nothing else he'd ever experienced. And so he hung on in there. So he held on in the now because he knew that the future coming was so much better. He played his part in the story and he played it so beautifully. He did everything the father asked of him. It's why we get to walk straight in. So if you don't know Jesus here tonight or you are uncertain, you're thinking, well, can I go in? Can't I go in? Am I clean enough out? He literally held on that cross so that you could go in. He literally stayed pinned there because the future meant that you could walk straight in. You no longer have to pay that price. You no longer have to stay in a place where sin and death separate you from a holy and beautiful God. You can literally walk straight in. And it is the greatest privilege of knowing Jesus is that because of him, I get to go straight in. And it's amazing. And I think for us, we are called Christians. I sometimes call myself a follower of the way, a worshipper or a disciple. So those are all words that describe me. But what they get summed up with is I am to listen to him, follow him and be like him. So he kept his his eyes on the future. He held on to what God had got from there and he kept both his feet on the ground where he was right now. And I think sometimes you can be so preoccupied with heaven and the new heaven and the new earth that you're no good to anyone around you now. Know that kind of sense. You're so heavenly minded that you're actually no good to anyone on the earth. Or you can be so full of activity about the earth. I've got to, you know, save the planet. I've got to feed the poor. I've got to I've got to do, 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 do all the time because you've taken your eyes off heaven that you're not really ready for heaven either. What we want to do is be like Jesus. We want to keep our eyes on heaven and what is to come. And we want to keep our feet firmly on the ground. We do these things by making sure we have a correct view of heaven and earth. So we make sure that we read the books in the Bible that talk about what the new heaven and the new earth looks like. We do this by making sure we don't go off down wild goose chases of what it could look like. So with the boys, we were talking today about, you know, what kind of animals might exist. And we're, you know, Asher wants there to be a talking zebra. Levi wants a tortoise that is fast. Um, and that speaks and you know so we have uh, grandpa wants a dragon you know and so we have this conversation where we're just talking about this world and what we do not want to do is be so preoccupied with what the animals might look like and which animals will be there and and will there be unicorns and that we're, we're literally of no good where we are want to make sure we get our theology from the bible that we're making sure we read what it says and that if it is silent on something so are we and that when the new heaven and the new earth, we're, we're building up a picture, we're making sure we've got our eyes fixed on that, but we're keeping both feet on the ground. We're making sure that because in heaven there is no sickness, we're praying for the sick. Because there isn't any injustice, there are no poor and rich in heaven. Like literally, we, we stand level. We make sure that on the earth, in whatever way we can, we help with the injustice. We help balance the scales. We help make sure that, that those whom God loves and has a heart for don't go hungry. We, we make sure that we play our part. We make sure that we tell people this is coming. So let me do that now. So there is coming a day where God will wrap up this earth 
and he will call time on it. There is coming a day when Jesus will say, those who belong to me come and live in the new heaven and the new earth. And those who don't, you are now eternally separate from God. There is coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to be clear about these things. We need to be honest. We need to be upfront. There is coming a day when God will wrap up this world and he will create the new heavens and the new earth and we will live and occupy the places. Who knows what that actually looks like, how old we'll be, what house we'll be living in, whether we'll fly or swim or whatever we will do. Who knows? But there is coming a day when the only way you get to be in the new heaven and the new earth is if you said yes to Jesus, is if you said, I love you, I want to follow you. And we need to keep our eye on that. We also need to be honest and we need to give our time appropriately. So if I believe that that day is coming, then it matters how I spend my time right now, how I spend my money, what I do with my skills and my gift mix really matters. You see, he is our treasure. He is our prize. He is the main story. And we should do all we can to hold on. We should do all we can to look at him, gaze at him, invite him in to all our stuff. We are simply on the earth, a trailer for the movie that is to come. And what we need to be sure of is that what we are playing out in our lives actually looks something like the world that is to come. So tonight I've just dumped out there a load of things that I feel like God is stirring me about. I feel like there are secrets and and, and not so secret things that, that you can discover, that you can learn. What I'd love you to do is go away from tonight with a few things that you think, I just want to get to God on that. I just want to get a hold of that. I just want to be clear on that. And you might need to be clear that there is a plan even though it looks chaotic around you or it hasn't worked out exactly how you planned it. And I know on this call, there will be people who just think this isn't panning out how I planned it at all. You need to be clear and be sure that God has a plan and it would do you good to find out what that plan is. It would do you good to ask him and say, okay, I I have no clue. What, What do you think? What do you say? You need to spend some time thinking and assessing, am I reading my word? Do I cling on to it for dear life? Is there time when I'm in the presence of God where I'm holding on to him, he's holding on to me, where I'm really meeting him? Are there things that are tripping me up that at the moment I'm stumbling over, but I know that there are places where I could fall? And am I making him like Jesus? When we sang that song, Christ, I literally thought when Matt and Phil sent the songs out, I thought you couldn't have picked a better song for this week. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in him. And I think in these days, we need to make sure he's our prize. We need to make sure we're looking at him, adoring him, following him, listening to him. We need to make sure that the reputation of us are those who just love Jesus 
who just make him the the object of their affection that as a people real life church I would love it if people said of us those guys are so sold out for Jesus I would love it if when I get to the end of my life if what people knew most about me is that I was so sold out for Jesus and she did a load of other things that would make my heart happy I'm dead but you know it would still make my heart happy so real life church I just want to invite you right now to just hold out your hands. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask for our beautiful Jesus to come and meet with us. So just where you are, hold out your hands and I'll just pray. Lord Jesus, we say that you are enough. You're enough for me, Jesus, and everything I need is in you, Jesus. We're reminded that you are the shepherd And you do have all I need, that you do look after us. We just love you, Jesus, and worship you, Jesus. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you lead us, speak to us, challenge us, change us. That where we need reminding of things, that where we need just nudging back on track, that you would do that for us, Jesus. We love you, adore you. We want to have courage in these days to follow you with all we have. We do want to hold on for dear life no matter what. We do want to get to the end of this and know that actually I might not have done this, this and this, but what I do know is I held on to Jesus. I ask that you help us have courage and boldness. I ask that you help us to run this race that you have marked out for us. I ask that you help us to be like you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. I'm going to pass back to Charlotte now.